Night Church. I'm Pastor Marshall. For those of you that may be guests um, with us for the first or second time, um, again, thank you for um, considering the, to pray about what, we're, what we are and what we're, what we're going to do. Um, I want to introduce the series Disruptive Faith. Disruptive Faith. And I want to start with the text this morning. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. Ephesians 2, 14. It'll be on the screen if you don't have a Bible or your phone with you to click over to that. Ephesians 2, 14. I want you to see something. Happy President's Day, by the way, everybody. Happy President's Day. I hope you're off tomorrow and again going to have some time of relaxing and reflecting. Ephesians 2, 14. The New Living Translation reads like this. It says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. Everybody say peace. Mm-hmm. He united Jews and Gentiles, those are non-Jews, into one people. When in his body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. One, one translation says that not, he didn't break the wall down. It says that he destroyed the wall of hostility that destroyed us, that separated us. The best word to describe this act of God here in the, in the text is disruptive. Everybody say disruptive. disruptive. Yeah, disruptive. So I want to use for a text this morning, I want to use for a subject of, the, of our text this morning, Torn between faith and a national emergency. Torn between faith and a national emergency. On Friday, our president, everybody say our president, because we got to own him. Our president declared a national emergency in order to fund a border wall. Mm. It's not a secret that there's, there's a lot going on in our country. There's a lot that's going on in households. There's a lot going on in the government. There's a lot going on around us. There's no secret that America is in crisis. And, and it's no secret that the church also is in, cri- in crisis. Let me, let me give it to you like this. 92.5% of cri- uh, Catholic and Protestant churches are monoracial. That means one race. 92.5% are monoracial. While the other 7.5 of churches across North America are multi-ethnic behind their walls. Only 7.5. The church also is in crisis. I read a few books um, on diversity, and, and, and that just happens to be my doctoral dissertation um, over at Regent. You know, you see, you got to study and you got to write a few things when you take those doctoral classes over there. Um, and so I've read on diversity. That's, that's kind of my thing that I feel God has put me on the path to. Um, and I want to share with you a couple of resources that have blessed me, that have influenced me. Ones that, that, that stick out more than all the others. Um, 
They're by the same author. One is called Building a Healthy Multi-Ethnic Church. The other one is called Disruption. The series was birthed from the idea of the book Disruption, both by Mark Demise. Mark, De Mark Demise pastors the Mosaic Church, the Mosaic Movement. They are very, very diverse in nature, and so he writes a lot about what it, what it looks like. He blogs about it. He writes books about it. And um, Demise says that the 21st century church, <coughs> excuse me, the 21st century church will struggle with credibility proclaiming God's love for all people. When people go to churches and they don't find God's love among all people because of walls. I'll say that again. Mark Demise says that the church of the 21st century will struggle with the credibility that God proclaims his love for everybody, for everybody. When they go to churches and they don't see everybody in the pews, everybody in the chairs, sitting amongst each other. Um, yeah. The cultural norm on Sunday mornings is to divide and conquer, it seems, even in the church. To divide and conquer. We divide into familiar circles. We, di we divide into the people we, with the people we know and, 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 and what's familiar to us. And that's not what God had in mind. So Reignite Family, we have to be a disruptive church because it's not normal for people to gather as you look to your left. Look to your left and look to your right. Look behind you. It's not, it's not normal for us to sit amongst each other and have diversity as you walk through the door, diversity on the stage, to sit there and hug and, and cry with your brother and sister. It's not normal. You're an anomaly. You're an anomaly. Not only is it not normal, I just want to give you a news flash. You, you may go to some church that, that's non-denominational or whatever, and you may see that uh, the pastor's white, and you see a few sprinkles of color in there, but you never hardly ever see a black pastor with diversity. We got a lot of work to do in our country. When, I, when, I, when God placed the church on my heart, and, and instead of staying where I was, and, and following up and succeed there on an easy path. When, one of the first things I heard from someone was, hey, you know, you're going to have a hard time because most people won't come listen to a black pastor unless you have a total black audience. But that's not godly. That's not what he told me, Maria. He said, step out on faith and build according to my design. Why is it that on, on, in heaven, everyone will come together and worship Jesus Christ, but on earth, we all want to take our, 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 our corners? <laughs> oh, man. Rignite family, we want to be a disruptive church. We want to be a church that, follows, that doesn't follow culture, but that we impact culture. That's what we want to do. We want to impact culture because Jesus himself was disruptive. Everybody say disruptive. So in case you can't, can't uh, you, you don't know what that looks like. Jesus was disruptive. Now, I'm no Jesus, but I'm his representative. Amen? And you are too. Jesus was disruptive. When, when, when he went to the cross, he, did, he gave us the ability to have disruptive faith. 
to have disruptive faith because Jesus is our example. He's always the example for any Bible-believing, God-following church. Jesus disrupted darkness and he gave us light. He disrupted sin and gave us salvation. He disrupted death and he gave us life. He disrupted time and he gave us eternity. Jesus was disruptive. A.W. Tozer noted, disruptive faith is expecting God to interrupt your life. Do you have disruptive faith this morning? Have you ever planned something and God said, no, don't do it that way? I plan to take this job and make this much money. And God said, no, no, that, that was my path. That was my path. I could have started off making $70,000 a year in the HR management field. But God said, no, I want you to start over here at this church for 13000 and I'll keep the lights on. That's faith. That's faith. Mm. We need to have room for God to be disruptive in our lives for us to plan our way. The Bible says that a man plans his way, a man, a woman plans their way, a child plans their way, but it's the Lord who directs their steps. Disruptive, to be disruptive is, good, is a good thing. Let me give you some examples so you'll be familiar with this. Amazon, do you know Amazon was disruptive? Amazon was disruptive. Uber is disruptive. Apple and Facebook are disruptive. These are disruptive brands that you have gotten familiar with because of their disruptive movement. Oh, man, they changed the way how we do retail shopping. I'm an Amazonian myself. I love Amazon. Amazon comes to my house every week. I know the truck already and everything. Um, uh, they changed how we do retail. They changed how we catch a ride. Amazon, Uber, and Apple, Facebook, they changed how we use our phones. They changed how we connect to others. These were disruptive, disruptive brands because they, they got out front and they saw. They saw and they studied culture. And they said, this is how we're going to impact culture. Not, not be a part of culture, but we're going to impact. We're going to make culture look at us, and we're going to impact it. That's what the church needs to do. The church doesn't need to come and embrace culture. The church needs to be who it is and let the, and let the people look over there and say, oh, they do it different. They love like no other. They, they, they go to church even when they don't feel like it. Even when they got a runny nose like the pastor, they still come to church. They, they, they love God even though they feel sickness in their body. They, they, when they have a problem and everybody got the notice on the job, they still come and they smile and they believe God for a better day. Oh, man, that's a disruptive church. Not in your feelings. Oh, man. But have you ever been torn between your faith and, a, and an emergency? <laughs> oh, oh, church, cultural change. This is something you might want to write down, keep in your phone, text it out to your friends, put it in, face, in your Facebook note. Cultural change doesn't happen because it's supposed to. I said cultural change doesn't happen because it's supposed to. It happens because it needs to. Pastor, what'd you say? I'm going to run that back. Cultural change doesn't happen because it's supposed to. Cultural change happens because it needs to, i.e. Amazon, Uber, Facebook, and the like. It happens because it needs to. If we strive as a church to see and sense our cultural norms, 
we can be a church that makes a difference. But it starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with us committing as a church. In this series, I want to push you. I'm going to push you. Don't, don't, don't bail out on me now. In this series, I'm going to push you to see vision of what we're trying to do, what we're trying to do to build healthy families in, in the home, what we're trying to do to also impact 100 people this year. That's, that's faith. It takes faith to do that. What we're going to do to try to work with unity to grow into our new building. But if we're going to have a new building, you're all going to have to start opening up your mouths and start inviting people to church. If we're going to impact that hundred, hundred more people uh, to see them grow and, and love Jesus, you're going to have to start inviting. You're going to have to start getting out of your comfort zone. You're going to have to start coming on a regular basis. If two or three of you miss out, it looks like nothing here because you, you're gone. We're building. We're in the, we're in the, the, in the, the infant stage of a, of a growing young church. Your face, your impact, your word, your voice is important. Your prayers your prayers are important. That's how we're going to impact the culture. But to do this, we need to know who it is that we're reaching. So I thought of another example besides Apple, Uber, Facebook, and the like. I thought of another example. How many of y'all watch reality TV? I knew y'all weren't going to raise your hand. I'm the only heathen in the group. The last two weeks, I, I missed you guys. I missed you guys. I missed getting up here speaking and everything. I was like, man, you know, I haven't talked to them. I haven't looked them in the face in a while. So in the last two weeks, I took my leisure time to, to watch some reality TV. And uh, I came across this show. Uh, I, I'll go ahead and admit in, in order you know, um, uh, to still be a pastor. I don't want you to judge me, but I'm going to go ahead and admit. I'm going to confess to you. I've been watching this show called Bar Rescue. And, 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 and you don't have to nod your head because I know you haven't seen it, but um, I've been watching this show called Bar Rescue where John Taffer, he comes in and what he does is he, he takes declining bars and he, and he helps them to be successful. The bars and restaurants, he helps them to be successful. How does he help them be successful, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. What he does is he takes what they're doing, Ed, and he sits there and he looks at the demographic and he looks at, he looks at those that they're, uh, that they're reaching in demand and that's what we have to do as a church. We have to look at our culture, and then we have to look at our clientele as a church. And he takes their demographic and their demand, and he puts it together. And he says, if you're going to reach this kind of people, this is what you need to do. And so he has an 80-20% success rate in, 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 in resurrecting declining bars and restaurants. And so I've been watching this show, and it's been intriguing to me and how he comes in, and he strips away, he tears away some of the old stuff in the bar and the restaurant, and it helps build it up new with, with in mind of the clientele that they're going to reach according to where they're planted. Oh, my gosh. And every time I watch the show, I just watched another one yesterday. Every time I watch the show, I'm sitting back and I'm thinking, man, why can't the church do that? Why can't the church sit there and recognize the culture and sit there and give them what they need, which is Jesus, but we package it in such a way that they take notice, that they take notice and they come. And they come. Now, let me be clear. We're not, we're not saying, let's, hey, let's be like the world. It don't take but five minutes, Shannon, to be with me and you'll find out. Not that I'm a preacher, but I love Jesus. It don't take but five minutes. I may look like them, but I'm not like them. I'm not talking about changing to become like the world. The church can learn 
from a show like that. We must know how, we must know our culture, and we must reach our clientele. And this is why I say this. There's over 460,000 people in Virginia Beach alone. I'm not talking about all of Tidewater. There's over 460,000 people in Virginia Beach alone, church. Guess how many of them are unchurched? I'm not talking about unsaved. I'm just talking about unchurched. Don't go to church nowhere. Done with church. Been, been there, done that. Pastor made me mad. This one didn't speak to me. Uh, they just stopped coming. They don't go to church anymore. They, they watch TV on Sunday mornings. 60% of that 460,000 don't go to church anymore. 60% unchurched. That's just Virginia Beach. That's our demographic. That's our demographic. 60% are unchurched. So make no mistake, we have some work to do as a church in our reaching. Um, that's going to come with some changes, some challenges. That's going to come with tearing down some walls when they come. Amen? Y'all act like I'm out here by myself. Don't leave me out here by myself. That's going to come with some walls. When you got unchurched people, you know, they're like, hey, how you doing? Good to see you, whatever. Man, this is a nice, this is a nice church. They're going to say some stuff. They're going to do some stuff. They may smell a little al alcoholic or, 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 or weed sex. Anyway, <laughs> they're unchurched, but we got to love them. We got to love them right where they are. Uh, if y'all not that kind of church, I'm going to bid you goodbye when, when service is over. That's the kind of church we're going to be. Right. A church that meets people where they are, show the love of Jesus, and let them know this is, this is what we can do. This is what God can do. Matter of fact, have you heard my story? And share our testimony. That's the kind of church we should be. A church that helps tear down walls. Church, we have to be disruptive. Because Jesus was disruptive. In Ephesians 2, God got out front of the hostility of his day. He got out front, in front of it. And uh, he tore away everything that separated Jew from Gentile. In our opening text, it read, For Christ himself has brought peace. What did I say he brought? He brought peace to us when he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. See, in biblical times, the, the, the social and the religious practices were for the, the Jews and the Gentiles to be separated. So there was a wall there. There was a wall. When you, would, when you would walk into the temple, it didn't matter if you're a Catholic, Protestant, whatever. That was man. We, we made that stuff up as we went. But as people walked into the temple, they walked into the temple, and then there was a dividing wall. You couldn't go past that. There was a wall that kept women out. There was a wall that kept non-Jews out. You had to be privileged. And on that wall, it had a sign that said, if you come past this, you will be killed. They were serious about their segregation. Oh. But the Bible says that God tore down the wall that separated. When Jesus went to the cross, that's, that's all his going to the cross was, to say, now all you have to do is believe on me, Jesus, and you shall be saved. You shall be one of us. Mm. So non-Jews... Non would no longer be alienated externally. They would no longer be alienated internally. It's a, it's a funny thing when you feel like externally I don't fit in. But it's even worse when you feel inside that I don't fit in. 
And, and when it comes to God, you shouldn't feel that way. I, I don't fit in. We're talking about walls. Talking about walls. Walls are nothing new. People, we are born with preferred walls. <laughs> we're born with preferred walls because we're born as sinners. We are in need of a savior. We, we, we're born with certain things I like and certain things I love. And y'all know there's a difference. We're born with certain things that we like and certain things we love. I don't mind you doing like that. You know, I might like it, I might not like it, but I love this. And if you don't like what I love, there's a problem. Oh man, oh man. Let me, let me, let me get there and stop meddling so much. I lie. Um, the, uh, we have preferred walls. These walls are, are, are the uh, are a choice that we prefer, and, and we and we rather not give anyone access to these walls. Even, even God has had a hard time having access to these preferred walls that we have. In other words, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to come to church, but when I come to church, I don't speak to nobody because I don't want to speak to nobody. So that's my wall. That's my wall. That's my wall of offense. That's my wall of choice. I, I can come to church, but I have an attitude about being in church instead of staying at home. I'm glad you're here, but don't come to church and have an attitude with God around God's people. That's a preferred wall. Again, another wall of offense. This is the one hour, this is the one hour that people that have an issue internally going on, a, a, a national crisis within their body, and yet you may be the reason why they walk out of here and give God not another chance. We don't want to be that kind of church. So we have to be aware of the walls of the 60% that may come that are unchurched. We allow, when, we, when we are aware, we allow God to do what only Holy, the Holy Spirit is equipped to do within us. And the Holy Spirit would lead us once we receive and believe on Jesus Christ. Once, once we believe that he went to the cross and once we believe that he shed his blood, that he died, he raised, that God raised him up from the dead again. The Holy Spirit will come to you and he will help you with the things that you need to check. Where, and, and sometimes he'll tell you, the pastor's talking about you. And it may be for you. It may be for the one person. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but if you have a wall this morning, God knows all about your wall. He knows all about the wall. And so there's a national emergency. Are you torn between what you like and what you love, church? <laughs> Let me help you with that. Only Jesus can give you peace. settle. I said, only Jesus can give you peace. Your mate can't give you peace. Mm -mm. Money won't bring you peace. Better health won't bring you peace. Friends are for fun, but they don't bring you peace. Only Jesus can give us that peace within a national emergency, only Jesus. The whole purpose of Christ coming on the cross to this earth was to tear down walls and to bring peace. Mm -hmm. Peace not only tears down walls, peace also 
surpasses all understanding. Yeah. Without peace, it's just a matter of time before there's another national emergency. <laughs> uh, but we serve one Lord and we serve one Savior. And he is our peace. So I don't have to like what you like. And you don't have to like what I like. But you have to love what I love. Yeah. I like 80s music. You might not. Too bad for you. But I love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? then that's the common ground. Yeah. You may be Republican. You may be Democrat. You may be independent. But do you love Jesus? That's the common ground. That's yes, Pastor. That's the common ground. You may be black. I mean, this kind of black. You may be white, this kind of white, but do you love Jesus? You may be Latino, but do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? That's the common ground. That's the common ground. First John 4:11 says, "Be loved, beloved." If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Yeah. Proverbs 17, 17 says, and we're done. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Faith continuously will interrupt, it will disrupt in a time when you need it most. I said faith will continuously interrupt and disrupt in a time you need it most because your brother, your sister is better than a friend. They're one that comes alongside in a time of adversity and that's what we need. We need brothers and sisters to come along and understand what we're going through, to understand my struggle, to understand my loneliness, to understand my... Um, needing for peace, my need for peace. The good news is Christ came to disrupt anything that separates us from God. He came along, he went to the cross to disrupt anything that would separate you from God. And so, Steve, if I can get, no, Deidre, let me get you. Elmer, can I get you to come up here? Would you stand right there? I want you to, I want you to see something. What, what you have to understand is we prefer walls. We prefer walls, don't we? And walls have one purpose. Well, I guess, I guess it's kind of twofold. 
walls. Walls are, walls are designed. Come up, come closer. Walls are designed to keep people out. Mm-hmm. They, they can only get so far. And then walls are designed to keep people in. That's how they're made. But Jesus has a plan. He says she needs peace on the other side. She needs peace on the other side. So where there was a wall of separation, where there's a wall to keep people out, and when there's a wall to keep others from going in. See, what I didn't tell you about the text, Paul was writing in the time where he was, he was in the jail cell and he was accused. He was accused and he's in Rome and, and under, under house arrest. And he's writing to the church in Ephesus and he's talking to them because he was accused falsely of taking someone beyond the wall that wasn't supposed to go, that didn't belong. And so he's in house arrest because he shouldn't have had no one on the other side. And God permitted that for a time because he came for the Jews and, and he, he was gonna start with the Jews and then he was gonna evangelize the whole world. That was God's plan. But when Jesus went to the cross, it changed the game. No longer do you have to be on that other side and you can keep people out and be on this side and you, and you keep people in, only, only people like you, people like us. Jesus came to tear down those walls to provide peace on the other side that our brothers and sisters can come together and we'll be able to experience the same love, the same peace under the same heaven. Amen. Because we're worshiping the same God. And so he, he tears down walls. He tears down walls. He tears down walls. He tears down walls. That's what disrupt. That's what it means to be disruptive. It, it doesn't mean to, it doesn't mean to climb. It doesn't mean to climb over it and be, and be, be all nice and neat. It, it doesn't mean to throw some paint on it. Jesus tore them down when he went to the cross. He tore them down, and so he brought peace. And now he can be with you. He can lay hands on you, and he can settle your heart. Your heart's not up here, is it? He can settle your heart. <laughs> And we have to be that kind of church that settles hearts. So when your faith is torn in a national emergency, you're torn between what to do, what side to be on, just know that God will provide you peace. Because he tore down the wall of hostility. And there, and there may be walls that come up, but no longer are you internally separated. Would you stand with me? Isn't that good news? Amen. 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 So we're going to be that kind of church. We're going to be that kind of church that tears down walls. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to be that kind of church. In this, in this series, we're going to talk about what it means to be a disruptive, to have disruptive faith. Next week, we're going to talk about what a disruptive church is going to look like. Your assignment is to tell somebody, tell somebody, about your Jesus. Share your faith. Amen. Amen. All right. Would you do that this week? Raise your hand if you're going to share your faith this week. You're going to tell somebody. 
I'm looking at every person, every person. Mom, I know you're sitting on the couch this week, but I'm, I want you to tell somebody. Call somebody. Tell somebody. Yes, yes, I'm going to tell somebody. I'm going to tell somebody. Because we're, we're a unique kind of church. We're a church that when people come in, they see walls torn down. They see walls torn. When they look, at, when they look to the left and they look to the right, they say, oh, my gosh. I hear it all the time. Walls are torn down. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for those that are here, for those that may be experiencing some internal, internal uh, struggles. You know what those are. Lord, I thank you that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, will give us peace that passes all understanding according to your word. And Father, I pray that you, if someone does not know you, that they will not leave today without saying, Lord, I need you. I accept your son, Jesus, into my life, and I, and I need you to make the difference, to make the change in me so I can make the changes outside of me. Lord, I thank you. I ask you to be with everybody. Help us to be a courageous church, a disruptive church, to have disruptive faith, to be able to share with somebody this week. You saw the witnesses, Lord, the hands that went up. Empower them by your Holy Spirit. Encourage them, Lord, even beyond the pastor's voice. If they got to play this message again this week on the church app, give them courage, Lord, to be disruptive because you led the way, Lord. You started it all. We ask these things in Jesus' name.